Hello everyone. Namaste. Thank you so much uh, for joining us on this bright and beautiful Sunday morning. I'm Roshan Karepa and I have with me Nirav Kanodra and we'll be taking you through the week's news and events. Uh, we're also waiting for Prasanna Vishwanathan to join us, right? Uh, he will join us shortly, but we will get started in the meantime. I hope all of you are, are great. Hi Nirav, how are things that you are in? Yeah, hi Roshan, all good. Uh, here the heightened alert has been extended a month, but it's all fine. Oh, uh, okay. I mean, this is kind of the festival season, right? I'm, I'm sure, I mean, it, it is there as well. All right. Uh, so as usual, let's talk about uh, a couple of episodes uh, we put out last week. I, I think this is the Vishwa Vartha week, right? I mean, where we focused a lot on geopolitics. The episode we did with Srimoy Talakdar was uh, really, really comprehensive. Uh, we spoke about many different things, including, you know, Prime Minister Modi's visit to the US, uh, his meetings with uh, President Biden, uh, you know, Vice President Kamala Harris, and then, you know, some of the implications it can have have on our relations with uh, China, Pakistan, the role of India and Quad, how AUKUS impacts all of this and so on. I think it was super comprehensive. Srimoy, of course, uh, is, uh, you know, the senior editor at uh, First Post and he writes pretty extensively on this stuff. Definitely do check it out if you haven't already. Uh, what do you think about the Tracy Shuchart uh, episode, uh, Nirav? I think it's very topical right now. So mm -hmm. I think uh, Tracy uh, Shuchart, I've been following her uh, on Twitter. Her ID is at uh, Kai Girl. But like on energy, see what is happening right now is you're seeing like, it's like a butterfly effect where you see some natural gas shortage in Europe, coal shortage in China, uh, a lot of geopolitics is involved. Russia is pushing for its Nord Stream pipeline. China put sanctions on like Australian coal. So there are a lot of moving parts uh, with the transition to clean energy and the higher cost of capital for uh, the old energy kind of companies that is playing a part in it. The transition to ESG and like uh, intermittent wind and solar where the battery technology hasn't come up as well as like uh, the battery materials like lithium. So she covers it in a very nice way, uh, connecting all the different parts and uh, showing us that uh, what we might see this post COVID energy shock might last for a while, uh, but probably it'll rebalance soon. So it's very, very interesting, very, very topical. Uh, I would recommend everyone to please spare some time and listen to this episode. Definitely. And uh, so we have plenty of news lined up for this uh, weekly. We're going to be talking about uh, India's phenomenal achievement, the 100 crore vaccination mark that we reached. Then the Adani group committing to $70 billion uh, for energy transition. And in light of the India-UK trade deal, India wanting compensation for climate changes. This was at the, the CO, uh, COP26 uh, conference that happened. Uh, and... Uh, you know, Home Minister Amit Shah visiting Kashmir in light of the Poonch gunfight uh, that happened last week, uh, or sorry, the week before. Some of the developing stories in uh, Punjab on the political side of things. And of course, I mean, the T20 World Cup that's underway. So with that, let's get started with the first piece of news. India recently administered our 1 billionth vaccine. India began the world's largest vaccination drive on January 16th, earlier this year. In just nine months, we have administered 100 crore doses. India has managed to administer twice the number of vaccine doses as the US, which has administered just over 40.7 crore vaccine doses. This is despite our vaccine drive having started almost a month after the US. The pace of vaccinations has increased dramatically since the center took the drive into its own hands after observing that the decentralization policy wasn't yielding results. Nirav, this is 
a phenomenal achievement i think in in my life i have not seen anything close to this right where famously we used to always say india lacks state capacity and we have somehow managed this at the at perhaps the most trying times yeah so no absolutely and this is uh, something where i take hope that uh, india if everybody puts their mind to it it's a great advertisement for state capacity great advertisement for private public partnership where you are the private uh, vaccine manufacturers it's a great partnership for india uk partnership with like astrazeneca and i think these trends if you take all of these and extrapolate it in every other field i think it shows how much can india achieve so it's a fantastic thing uh, there has also been a great uh, advertisement for safety of vaccines by uh, pm modi himself took it and uh, pune wala or like dr krishna ella themselves took their own vaccines in public eye in on camera so i think that was uh, very much fantastic also uh, i think now uh, india also did a sensible thing after the uh, second wave where tried and pushed as many first doses as possible with a wide gap between the first and second dose saying that even if it is like 70% effective as two maybe it's better to get wider uh, community inoculated so i think it's it's been a great success story uh, now i'm looking forward with uh, bharat biotech also being approved for kids from 2 to 18 and like zydus cadilla also approved for kids from 12 to 18 so hopefully uh, we were thinking maybe all adults get vaccinated by year end maybe in the next two months we see a lot of kids also get vaccinated back to schools and uh, we reopen the economy going all blast so uh, it's just a f- absolutely fantastic thing yeah no seriously i mean i think uh, uh, you know a big 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 thank you to all of the healthcare staff right the doctors nurses all of the administrative uh, staff right a big thank you of course to bharat biotech serum institute uh, serum institute and uh, you know all of the many different people right i mean because i think even logistically this is just such a mind boggling thing right i mean and and you know you mentioned the time duration between the vaccines and so on right simple things like that i mean i'm not sure if it was that simple right i mean it kind of seems like all of this was very very well thought through right yeah. and uh, easily i mean it it could have gone or i actually uh, yeah. you know even if one of these had uh, not like you know fallen in place so what do you think about some of the you know commentary though you know because Uh, okay. I think it should have been unanimous uh, praise for India, but you always had the situation where whether it is New York Times or Bloomberg or uh, you know whoever else would say hundred crore vaccine, but and then you know insert uh, you know some flimsy so reason, the right? Old. So there's an old saying that whenever you say something and then you put the word but and then you go on on the sentence, everything before is like kind of negated because you want yeah. to make another point. Yeah. And I actually believe is maybe the world is getting hyper polarized. Mm. and if you wear red glasses you see everything red if you see green wear green glasses you see everything green i mm. think this is a matter if everybody around us is safer we are all safer as a society as a community it's not only important that you yourself get vaccinated but for everyone safety it's great that if everyone around you is vaccinated as well so absolutely could it have been faster possibly could it have been done a little bit earlier possibly uh but i think like they have done like a fantastic job let's look at it as glass 90% full instead of 10% empty and uh, let's move on like i think people have said that oh only like two uh, vaccine makers are there in india versus like say three in the us see we did whatever we could mm. i think the great delivery job has been done uh, the government supported zydus cadilla as well unfortunately they couldn't get their vaccines out in time 
We also got contract manufacturers for Sputnik, also J and J and biologically. But whatever we could do, we've done it. In in the time of extreme uncertainty, this was good risk management that the government pushed uh, all these vaccine manufacturers and gave them all the support that was needed. Bharat Biotech has another Ankleshwar factory opening up, so capacity should go up further. Uh, hopefully, WHO recognizes the co-vaccine uh, vaccine as well. Uh, they just took 10 days to approve Sinovac and Sinopharm. And about 110 million or 11 crore doses have been administered by uh, Bharat Biotech. So I think that should be enough data, mm -hmm. uh, hopefully. So I think, see, uh, whichever way it is, uh, apart from political ideology, I think it's a fantastic thing which has been done. You can see it in the number of COVID cases falling. You can see in the amount of people moving about safely. So beyond ideology, I think it's good for everybody's safety for the whole society. So yeah, uh, that's about it. No, that's absolutely right. You know, I mean, in, in April, we had uh, cases go up 20, 20x a day, right? I mean, something like, you know, 4 lakh cases, whatever I think we reached. Uh, and, and we saw the chaos that had happened. And if that wasn't properly managed, I mean, we wouldn't have a situation like this uh, at all, right? And, uh, you know, in light of Pfizer and Moderna now saying that, you know, they will not, uh, you know, share their mRNA vaccines, right? I mean, becomes all the more important for us that, you know, something like Bharat Biotech uh, uh, happened, right? And, and Serum Institute happened for us, right? So uh, if really, I mean, if, if I look at it, right, I, not to get too spiritual or, you know, religious here, but then it's just the hand of God, I would say, you know. Yeah, actually, but this also shows that uh, we need to be Atma Nirbhar. Exactly. Like ourselves, you are seeing developed country going in for third doses, rich country with the booster doses, yeah. Whereas a lot of poor country haven't gotten their first. Mm -hmm. So because you had some capability of manufacturing and uh, you had a JV with AstraZeneca, you had a domestic vaccine. I think absolutely like it's in real times of uh, uh, difficulty is your resilience actually tested. And here, I think they've done a great job. So forget like if uh, it, I think the glass is 95% full, not 5% empty. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, moving on. The Adani group plans to invest 50 to 70 billion dollars towards energy transition uh, at the uk's uh, global investment summit gautam adani the chairman announced that the group will invest the capital in the sector uh, over the next decade hydrogen he said is a game changer and the group's green energy portfolio will expand to become one of the world's largest green hydrogen producers uh, adani is also incubating the first india data center indian data center company that will power all this uh, all, all its data centers uh, with renewable power by 2030. Nira, what do you think of this? Oh, so I think uh, Adani Group is uh, actually as a legacy group, it's involved in the old energy sector, uh, like coal-fired power plants, etc. And across globally, all these firms are looking at the energy transition. Uh, Adani Group has like uh, wisely uh, focused on green hydrogen. Uh, it's one of the many technologies, as in so uh, this is you have uh, you have something called as gray hydrogen which comes out from like petrochemicals you have blue hydrogen which is like semi uh, uh, green and then you have like completely green hydrogen right which is coming in not from fossil fuel burning so i think that's a great transition uk government has been also at the forefront they want to move all their uh, domestic heaters from uh, natural gas or uh, compressed natural gas fired 
to hydrogen fired uh, uh, boilers right so this is like i would say compare this to like maybe 100 years ago where every house in europe had uh, a chimney and a fireplace inside the house right from that to like gas fired heaters inside and now we are going probably to uh, hydrogen so i think that's a great step also this is uh, putting into the india uk partnership uk is actively courting india uh, we might sign a free trade agreement soon post brexit so that's also there where adani group will also invest something in the uk helping them with their transition and india really needs a lot of energy by whatever mm-hmm. means let it be your legacy coal plants maybe nuclear solar wind green hydrogen so if india needs to boost its manufacturing as well as have all these global data centers we are consuming a lot of data and all of that is stored somewhere in the cloud so that takes energy and uh, so it's a fantastic thing this is good capex uh, this is good publicity for india as well and we will be on the cutting edge of the newer technologies so it's a great positive step yeah absolutely hey prasanna thank you so much for joining us good to have you <laughs> yeah apologies uh, roshan actually i had some technical as well as traffic issues okay sorry about it no i just worries, no heard, uh, i mean i was on the audio mode yeah i mean uh, i think uh, as uh, nirav summarized right uh, we have a uh, i think adani's uh, strategy on green energy has been like uh, quite aggressive and uh, hopefully you know i think they'll be able to execute the plans uh so it's a very interesting space uh, uh you know and again it could uh, even shape up as a ambani versus adani fight as well actually so that would be something that uh, all of us uh, would be watching and i think even there were a lot of interesting moves from uh, uh, the ambani uh, side as well right in the last week as far as the green energy initiative goes they kind of acquired a, a chinese company which is huge which has a huge print, footprint in europe actually uh, in the solar uh, photovoltaic uh, cell space actually so you know i think this is going to be a very very interesting battle let's see how this uh, shapes up yeah so uh, the union minister uh, amit shah is visiting uh, jammu and kashmir um, Shri Amit Shah landed in uh, Kashmir on Saturday morning for a three-day visit, the first since the abrogation of Article 370. Uh, Shri Amit Shah's visit comes amidst heightened tension in JNK following the targeted killing of 11 civilians. Elsewhere in Kashmir, the Poonch counter-terror operation, operation has entered its 13th day. Uh, in the Narkhas forest area, security forces have been working to nab terrorist organizations hiding in the forest for the last two weeks. the jammu and kashmir police said the terrorists were believed to be hiding in the jungles since august this year so prasanna i mean what is the significance of this visit beyond just the fact that you know there's there's this insurgency that's happened yeah i think i think uh, this this it has to be only seen in the background of the recent uh, deterioration in the situation you know in uh, jammu kashmir you know you had uh, both uh, border incidents as well as you know, as well as civilians being targeted uh, so i think it's a critical signaling by the home minister that you know the government is on the top and uh, of of the issue that because um, home ministry has been facing criticism on uh, what's been happening in kashmir right actually so so you know it was very critical that amit shah uh, needs to assert his authority and also be seen as asserting his uh, authority 
so i think in that uh, and also you know there is an element of uh, healing touch in the visit you know he's been uh, meeting the uh, family of those uh, victims both from the law and order side as well as the civilian side so hopefully you know uh, uh, of course uh, these visits are critical from a optics perspective but also i think uh, the indian state per se needs to kind of have a sustained strategy in uh, kashmir to uh, to uh, you know overcome the recent uh, set of uh, setbacks that we have faced in the state actually so i think and most critically you know the uh, the killing of civilians especially migrant uh, labor who are very critical to the execution of infrastructure projects and i think they provide the um, uh, you know the, i mean they do the thankless job of uh, building roads and power projects and tunnels and they work on all uh, uh, projects you know so uh, it's very critical that the government uh, ensures the sense of uh, safety uh, for the migrants and uh, hopefully you know uh, 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 things improve from here right actually with the taliban coming to power in afghanistan i thought this situation in on our border will actually ease up right i mean seems like mm-hmm. that uh, you know hasn't happened at least for the time being uh, correct. correct i think right. there is this critical uh, uh, i mean there's this time window where there is a convergence of uh, geopolitical interest between some of uh, you know uh, in china taliban pakistan so i would i would see that there will be a escalation uh, a coordinated escalation that is aimed at uh, you know a uh, 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 kind of making it tough for india uh, uh, geopolitically uh, uh, see i think the government's focus last year or so has been essentially on uh, fighting the pandemic plus you know the uh, series of economic reforms measures managing the political fallout of uh, some of these re- reforms especially you know the farm reforms and all that so i think the uh, government has got its economic act right but i think in the process there might have been uh, you know uh, this newer security challenges that have emerged which possibly was not there like in the last year so you know let's see how this uh, uh, shapes up right right moving on India declared it wants compensation for climate damage caused by rich nations at the COP26 climate change conference uh, the ministry of environment forest and climate change laid out india's position on critical issues to be negotiated at the united nations COP26 climate summit leaders and diplomats from across the globe are set to gather in glasgow scotland for the annual cop summit which is um, seen as a make or break meeting to stave off the worsening effects of climate change compensation for climate disasters is expected to be uh, a major sticking point at the talks and the subject is something that india has already raised with the united states uh, climate envoy uh, uh, mr john kerry neera what do you think uh, what do you think about the statement that was pretty bold right and i think it's a firm stance no so if you look at like whatever climate change has occurred so far in the 20th century bulk of the emissions have been from uh, richer nations right so if you look at just the total amount of co2 which is increased in the atmosphere so so any climate change actually happening right now is due to the mistakes which have been done say like over 20 years ago uh, whereas like everybody pays the price for it now developed countries want uh, to decarbonize but they don't want the developing countries to use more energy so that is a bit unfair 
and they've been like very critical for of india building any sort of new power plants or like copper smelters etc so what, what india and india is being a leader for a lot of the other uh, lesser developed nations say that whenever there is a uh, climate change induced disaster so for example uh, like a landslide in uttarakhand which had happened or like uh, uh, higher uh, higher floods due to global warming etc uh some amount of money we set aside to help developing countries combat the effects of climate change which was actually induced prior to uh, due to rich countries polluting the environment right even on a per capita basis right now they are uh, polluting more compared to developing nations like india so i think this is one strong stance i think it's also like probably it's a bargaining chip where you go ahead and ask for compensation uh, for any sort of climate disasters which kind of if they water down they at least allow countries like india to build more power plants and have utilize more energy and like the developed world conserves energy because they already consuming a lot of energy per capita basis so let other countries like india catch up so i think these are all uh, bargaining chips uh, let's see what comes out of it this conference of parties or cop as it's called uh, a lot of things get discussed here but the actual change on ground is a little bit slower and uh, there is a lot of uh, standoffs where sometimes nothing gets done so fingers crossed uh, something really gets done i think the gautam adani meeting with boris johnson and committing to invest in green energy is also part of this earlier so let's see what happens but i don't think like actually we'll achieve that but it is probably a bargaining chip to let other things happen yeah no i think i agree with you right as in sustainability is a noble goal uh, perhaps the noblest goal at this point of time right from a uh, you know uh, climate world perspective uh, but we should pursue that uh, independently right and not be beholden to any of these global treaties which uh, may have you know uh, uh, other motives as well right um, and i always believe that innovation is the answer right uh, i don't think the world is going to consume less um, right just because the developed world has reached a point where you know they are fine right i actually i mean even they are not uh, reducing uh, anything on that front right so uh, given whatever the energy crisis and everything i am pretty sure that they will ramp up uh, you know energy uh, on the conventional mm-hmm. energy to meet their needs anyway right so so yeah 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 uh, roshan actually i think this uh, you uh, bring in this interesting uh, perspective actually you know the greenification of energy is not really turned out the way uh, it has uh, it was promised right like i mean yeah. uh, uh, 2021 looks uh, very very different from what uh, 2020 was as <laughs> far as the uh, energy scenario goes right we had a yeah. energy excess and you know c- countries uh, looking at very ambitious programs to uh, move to renewable but uh, you know 2021 has been a very um, Uh, what you call i would call it a as administered a reality check that you know this kind of very ham handed very high on uh, rhetoric but kind of low on substance kind of energy transitions plan have not uh, played out the way that the countries have uh, spoken of actually so you know yeah. uh, so uh, india is doing well to do that and uh, i don't know i think i think this entire transition phase from where you know you're moving to um, uh the the so called fossil fuels to green energy i think that uh, transition is going to be so critical is what 2021 has uh, 
demonstrated and i hopefully yeah. hopefully you know of course we need to look at futuristic goals but i think this entire much more uh, uh, critical uh, issues in terms of managing this uh, transition like so uh, basically uh, every book, everybody is looking at gasification of energy as the uh, uh transition before you know uh, renewables kind of uh, pick full steam and uh, do that but uh, there have been so many issues and hopefully we hear a lot about how this uh, transition will be uh, shaped i think that that becomes a very critical issue in light of you know yeah. uh, 2021 experience yeah no i think there's uh, quite a stretch before we actually become fully reliant on renewables mm-hmm. right i mean uh, so so yeah uh do check out the episode we did with uh, shri jayant sena on net zero emissions it's a, a very nice uh, comprehensive episode on this uh all right moving on in some political news uh captain amrinder singh's pakistani friend has been caught in po- political crossfire uh, arusa mm-hmm. alam a pakistani defense journalist and close friend of captain amrinder singh has come into the spotlight after deputy chief minister sukhjinder singh randhawa raised a request for a dgp probe this comes after uh, captain amrinder stated that there was a threat to punjab and the country through isi prompting investigation into the journalist uh, captain amrinder singh uh, fired back at uh, mr randhawa asking him to focus on maintaining law and order in the state uh, during the festive season uh, prasanna what do you make of this is this like petty <laughs> politics or you know yeah, i mean I mean, uh, you know quite uh, it policy, seems to be you know it's a it's a race to the bottom i think like uh, <laughs> congress is really uh, scraping at the bottom of the barrel here in uh, uh, punjab uh, you mean like uh, he's been a three time uh, chief minister from your own party uh, you know at least i think i think 15 years almost close to uh, 15 years in uh, three different tenures as uh, uh, the right. cm you know the face of your party in uh, punjab and then suddenly you know he rebels and then you bring in all these uh, uh, vicious uh, uh, allegations uh, uh, you know doesn't uh, you know i mean especially i mean if if it it is actually from the deputy chief minister uh, which makes it even more uh, surprising so mm. uh, so you know it's like just the uh, typical uh, you know indian politics uh, uh, playing out and see of course that uh, Uh, the lady in question i think uh, she is the daughter of a very uh, shady shadowy uh, uh, you know character who's connected to the pakistan military establishment and deep state but this has been public knowledge for at least like two and a half decades now right and uh, and uh, uh, you know when even congress governments have ruled uh, uh, she's uh, i think uh, tra- travels and uh, cohabits with the former chief minister so this is all known to uh, if at all it has raised alarms it was known to probably indian intelligence agencies law and order enforcement mechanism and all so honestly i don't know like uh, i think uh, this represents the nadir of uh, political discourse especially coming from congress party itself i would yeah. i would say. yeah no it's it's just been uh, it's just been crazy to see this implosion in punjab actually so uh we did an episode uh, quite recently on punjab politics with roj jaraman and uh, you know we discussed about the fact that punjab is a border state and the implication it could have on national security right. and things to that effect uh so now you are having a situation where you don't know what is what right, right. <laughs> so yeah 
All right, and uh, finally, to wind things up, uh, we have the T20 World Cup uh, underway right now. Uh, coincidentally, we have an India versus Pakistan match today. The first one in a long, long, long time. The tournament uh, is being played in Dubai. India currently holds an unbeaten record against Pakistan in the World Cup, winning all 12 encounters to date. Um, all eyes are on the team as they look to continue the unbeaten streak. Um, Nirav, I mean, we haven't had this India-Pakistan rivalry for a while, right? I mean, it's shifted to India, Australia, and, you know, if you're looking at border border countries, I mean, it, it, it could even be India-Bangladesh at this point of time, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but this is, this revives some of the 90s memories. Yeah, yeah. So, I think, like, uh, if you look at it, right, because of the whole situation in Pakistan, uh, there have not been many matches there. The Pakistan national team actually plays in the UAE. Uh, India has stopped playing Pakistan in any bilateral series. And if you look at it, the big three in world cricket right now, India, Australia and England. And those rivalries are like taken more seriously. Even in the Asia Cups, what has happened is you've got like Bangladesh and Afghanistan performing very well. And the uh, previous Asian nations like Sri Lanka, Pakistan haven't been doing that well. But all that aside, I think in T20, uh, anyone can win on the day. Uh, Pakistani team has been very upset with uh, New Zealand cancelling a tour which was supposed to be held in Pakistan. It was cancelled due to security concerns after US pull out of Afghanistan. So, I think there is a lot of anger amongst fans. Some of them have said that it's an Indian conspiracy theory to have a series and get it cancelled. So, I think uh, the ex-Pakistani cricketer Shoaib Akhtar on YouTube has said that doesn't matter if Pakistan doesn't win any games beyond just beating India and New Zealand. Doesn't matter who wins the World T20. They just want to win these two games. So, that makes it a little more interesting. Realistically, I think Indian team is very strong. and uh, But like the Pakistani team can spring surprises. Uh, T20 format is also such uh, where you could be like a very low-ranked rank team and beat the table topper on that day. So, that makes it interesting. I'm definitely going to watch it. The whole tournament is interesting, which is also another thing was you had the qualifiers. And surprisingly, Sri Lanka and Bangladesh had to go through the qualifiers uh, to play in the main draw. And that's quite a big fall. And we have uh, Scotland and Namibia joining as well uh, in the World Cup. Uh, sad thing is the giant killers from like 20 years ago, the other African nations, Zimbabwe and Kenya are nowhere to be seen. It's good. Namibia has got a couple of like ex-South African cricketers. Uh, this World Cup also was uh, a little interesting. You've had a uh, few ex-South African cricketers playing for Ireland. I think Colin Ackerman and for Netherlands. So, made, that made it interesting. The qualifiers was fun. Now, we've started with the main show. Uh, I hope India wins it. Not just game today, but the whole tournament. But it's going to be interesting. Yeah. What are your favorite uh, India-Pakistan uh, Cricket World Cup memories? My Okay, the simplest favorite one is uh, 96 in Bangalore. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when can they start getting Amir Sohail out? I think like, yeah. nothing, nothing beats that. <laughs> nothing compares, yeah. No, I think... I'm is, is, uh, a little Aula. older than Mira. <laughs> so, I think the 92 one is very memorable for me, Roshan. Right, I think right, that, was right, in, right. that was in Australia. Okay, and... Uh, I mean, in fact, Pakistan eventually went on to win that World Cup, but I think India comprehensively uh, defeated them in the round robin league. It was quite yeah. a nice match, actually. I think uh, I think it was in Sydney. Uh, probably. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I remember that game as well. But, <laughs> yeah. The favorite one is still ninety six. Yeah, ninety six, okay. and uh, 
even uh, you know jadeja belting wakaryun is as well yeah, so yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah fantastic memories all right folks uh, that's it from this weekly thank you so much uh, for joining us uh, uh, from prasanna nirav and myself uh, you know uh, see you next time do take care stay safe and uh, enjoy your day and your week